0: listening to into the arena a hunger games podcast sparking the fandom one episode at a time with your hosts holly and emily special thanks for music by sam cushion Welcome back, tributes, to episode 26 of Into the Arena. I'm Emily. And I'm Holly. And this week, in honor of last week being the ALA's Banned Books Week, we are going to be talking about The Hunger Games and how it has been a banned book in the past. So we're excited to get into that discussion But a couple of announcements before that, we have a very, very exciting episode coming up next week, uh, or two weeks from now. We are going to be interviewing Maya Nguyen, who, if you haven't heard of her, get ready for some amazingness, because Maya is someone who's well known in the fandom. She is a singer, songwriter, and after reading The Hunger Games... A prequel novel, Ballad. She did her own interpretations of the songs in Ballad, and they are amazing. They're wonderful. Ah. I've listened to them so many times, but yes we have the exciting opportunity to speak with her and interview her and ask her some questions. So I think it's going to be a really exciting episode, and we just wanted to let you all know to tune in in two weeks. Yay! Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's going to be so good. <laughs> Um, And then our other announcement, just our normal stuff. So we have another trivia coming up this month. We're going to be doing it on October 23rd. We're going to do it sometime during the day. Not sure exactly what time yet, um, but just kind of to let our international (laughs) fans participate as well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we're continuing our Mockingjay Mondays with the Hunger Games. So we're going to be doing chapters 7 and 8 tomorrow night. So join us for Yay. that. Love it. So much Hunger Games. I love it. I feel like there's always so much stuff going on.
1: <laughs> and I just it makes me so happy. Like we had our Mocking J Part 1 watch along last weekend, which was so fun. It was. It's just I think what's so fun about this is like you and I came together to like create this podcast. But what makes it even more fun is just being able to interact with all the other fans. So, I know the community, the it.
0: friends. So, I mean, if you're not following us on Instagram, I, we're most active there. So, yeah. give us a follow at Into the Arena Podcast and join the community, join the fun. Yay! But today's
1: episode is going to be so much fun. And a lot like I would say, pretty different from any of our other episodes that we've done before. And
0: I feel like I did and a lot of research for this. One. I know, yeah.
1: <laughs> Emily's outline for this, I was like, wow, I'm like a proud teacher right now. <laughs> We're just going to be talking about the Hunger Games trilogy being. A, one of the band books or a band trilogy. And I mean should we, we wanted just dive to in? do
0: like this episode and then Holly was like, "Okay, we should do it now because last week it's was band books, books week." week. <laughs> well, when we're yeah. recording, it's it's band books week. Right? Gosh, tongue twister band books week. <laughs> uh, it's band books week right now, so perfect timing.
1: Yes. I'm so glad that I found that out because we've been planning Like you said, we've been planning this episode for a long time. So, perfect timing but should we just like dive right in there's
0: like there's a lot here (laughs) you you lead us into this (laughs) so let's talk about banned books week if you don't know um it was put together by the ala so the american library association and i grabbed this from their website they said banned books week is an annual event celebrating the freedom to read Typically, it's held during the last week of September, and it spotlights current and historical attempts to censor books in libraries and schools. It brings together the entire book community, so librarians, booksellers, publishers, journalists, teachers, and readers of all types, in shared support of the freedom to seek and to express ideas, even even those some consider unorthodox or unpopular. So I, in doing this research, I kind of went back to the history of the top 10 most challenged books list that the ALA puts out every year. Um, And so I kind of looked back to see, you know, what years was Hunger Games on the list and where was it on the list. So and I had to like put this on here too, like the first in 2009, so Hunger Games came out in 2008 but in 2009 twilight was on the list and that's the only year in all the years past that twilight was anywhere on the list so we're not going to talk about twilight but (laughs) i just had to bring it up very surprising that twilight was only on it one i just think it's interesting like you know twilight tangent of course we gotta have it but twilight was number five on the list for religious viewpoint sexually explicit content and suited and being unsuited to the age group I'm like, when is Twilight sexually explicit? (laughs) Please, Um, someone tell me. During (laughs) Breaking Dawn, during their honeymoon scene. Like the first Twilight (laughs) book, because this was in 2009, so. Oh, I know. Breaking Dawn was out, but like, I mean, clearly it was because the Twilight movie. There's just haters.
1: That's literally what it is. There's always
0: haters. I mean, yeah. This this whole podcast episode is going to be about the Hunger Games haters. So. Yes. (laughs) Seriously so the first year that hunger games was on the list it was at number five and it was in 2010 so that would have been two years after the book came out so i'm assuming that this means it was challenged a lot in 2009 if the list came Mm -hmm. out in 2010 so that was like a year after the book had been out so it's gaining popularity and the reasons were that it was sexually explicit unsuited to the age group and that there was violence um, it appeared again the next year, and it moved up to number three on the list. And this time it was for the whole trilogy. So at this mm-hmm. point the whole series was out, and the reasons were, and this one's ridiculous This is like yes. the long ridiculous list to me in two thousand eleven. Uh-huh. That it's anti-ethnic, anti-family. That there's insensitivity. It's has offensive language, is occult slash satanic, and. <laughs> violence <laughs> the one that you would expect to be on the list <laughs> and then in 2012 i don't know why i put this the hunger games isn't on the list but 50 shades of gray is <laughs> <It's> <laughs> which important. i don't really understand how is 50 shades of gray like on the list like it's an adult book yeah that- i think it's all books that are is it just for or was it on the young adult list that you were looking at? No, but I guess just in my mind the ones that do get challenged are the young adult books. I, I guess I'm just wondering why I I kind of agree here, I guess. Like mm-hmm. it's an adult well, book. I mean, a young adult should not be reading <laughs> 50 shades of gray. Why why is it getting challenged? Because I feel like the only context it would get challenged would be as if it was in a school like library.
1: Like, like, why a hey, 50, sh-
0: Fifty Shades? I, like, Check I kind of agree. <laughs> I'm well, like, yeah, I would absolutely. submit my uh, request to have that removed from my high school library. Yes. So. Um, and then in 2013, this was the last year that The Hunger Games was on the list. It was at number five. And the reasons were Religious Viewpoint and Unsuited to Age Group. So it's interesting that it hasn't been on the list since 2013 because after that, the movies were still coming out and the book is still being taught in schools obviously not as much
1: as it was when the franchise was really big but it's still a classroom read for young adults right
0: and like this is just the top 10 list so Mm -hmm. it could be 15 20 on the list Mm -hmm. um but it just kind of makes me sad that it's not on the list anymore because it means it's not as popular (laughs) stop maybe ballad will make it we'll see okay so let's just like go through some of these so like what is the content in the hungry games trilogy that's being challenged that was brought up so sexually explicit like that's one of the reasons that was given i have so many so many things to say
1: um how where what like are they reading fan fiction (laughs) like what fan fiction are you reading if they're reading like
0: in between the lines at the end of mocking jay when everybody thinks so after
1: (laughs) well it's like katniss and peter have kids okay yeah what and then sexually explicit oh okay like you can't have kids but for me it's like all of the hunger games the first book katniss talks about how grossed out she is by the human body and the times that she we hear from her perspective about a naked body are when she's getting treated at the remake center, when she's like physically like getting changed into outfits with Cinna, and when Pete's leg gets cut off and he has she has to like take off his pants. Which is not sexual because
0: <laughs> it's only it's when is like, "Oh, I don't care if you see me." <laughs> that's the ex- yeah. that's the sexually explicit content, folks.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, twelve year old me was not thinking about that. So I mean, I I find that so so hard to fight for. So
0: I know it's so funny. I mean, it's just making Whatever. me think of what we read in our read along this last week where Katniss mm-hmm. is like naked, yeah, in front of Senna, but like the nudity is never it's not in a sexual context at all it's
1: in a human context talking about Mm
0: -hmm. it's like is the word bodily function. nudity (sighs) sexually explicit no (laughs) yeah so some parents think it is i guess
1: well even looking further into the trilogy like catching fire we have fennec mentioned and and in mockingjay there's only like hints mentioned about about him being prostituted by snow so it's like again these aren't like huge parts of the plot yeah i guess i can
0: kind of understand it in that context of mockingjay because i mean it is of a sexual nature but Mm -hmm. at the same time that's also like not what it was on the list for like this was for the first hunger games book so yeah
1: but the next one violence obviously i can understand parents being mad about the violence
0: yeah, I can understand the violence one. There is so a lot violence. of violence in the Hunger Games. And
1: the games where children are forced to kill each other. So there is
0: violence. <laughs> and some pretty gruesome details. I mean, I feel like Suzanne Collins goes into depth of detail in a lot of different things like the same way. So like as much as she's describing the food in so much detail, she's also describing the violence yeah. actually she might describe the food in more detail <laughs> oh yeah than the definitely. violence yeah and i'm thinking about like that part with Cato. that part's awful yeah it's pretty bad
1: so i mean definitely can understand that and i can understand a parent's perspective for a younger adult who is trying to read the hunger games
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean the violent content i mean it's kids killing kids Suzanne doesn't shy away from it. It's definitely in there.
1: Which was honestly something I always thought about when I first read The Hunger Games and was absolutely obsessed with it. And we are at like the heart of all the movies coming out, all the excitement, like my personality was the girl who loved The Hunger Games. And so for me, I was like, people must think I'm so weird because this is literally just a book about kids (laughs) killing each other. Like, like, how do you tell your like your grandparents, like what you want for Christmas? Like, I want stuff from The Hunger Games. Like, it's this this book series where kids kill each other. Like, don't worry about me, grandma, you know. So that was
0: something I always thought about. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely remember like having to explain what The Hunger Games is about to like my grandparents.
1: (laughs) And being like, I promise it's not awful. I'm not a bad human.
0: It's like, but, like, I here it is, but, like, it's not really about that. It's about this. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so anti-ethnic. This one just, like, baffles me.
1: I mean, I think the movies would be. Because, I mean, like,
0: we whitewashed our
1: whole cast. Mm. But, I mean. (laughs)
0: Comments have been
1: made. In the book, like, Katniss is a woman of color, you know? Like, and there's different parts to people's ethnicities and their backgrounds. And so I would definitely
0: argue that this
1: has nothing to do with being anti-ethnic.
0: Yeah, we've even had conversations before about how Suzanne kind of shied away from talking about race or really men- bring, making that the forefront of mm-hmm. any of the themes of the book. I mean, it, it's still there, there's undertones, but to make way for other things she wanted to talk about like class instead. Mm-hmm. So this one, I don't really, I don't really see. I wish we could see what the actual complaints were, like what specific parts, but these people probably didn't read the book. (laughs) I know.
1: I I don't know. It's just annoying. The next one is anti-family, which at first I was like, I don't believe it, but the argument comes from Katniss living with a single mother and being raised by a signal, (laughs) signal, (laughs) single mother because her father is dead yeah because her father is literally dead so it's anti-family because of the family dynamics that katniss grows up within so
0: and like for me i mean i've always talked about how the family part of it is like the biggest theme that resonates with me in the entire Mm -hmm. trilogy so the relationship between sisters katniss and prim is what I love so much about this about the stories so it's like so much about family for me Mm -hmm. so the fact that it's anti-family that that could be a complaint
1: this
0: that's hard for me to to take in
1: well I also I also think it's so hard because when you read a lot of YA dystopia or sci-fi I feel like the family dynamic is always the same Mm. I feel like there's always a mom and dad who sacrifice themselves in the end. And there's always an older brother character to a younger sister or the main character is a male and then he has a brother. Like, I don't know. That's always like that dynamic that I get. No, it's yeah. always like a nuclear family.
0: And, like a lot of times parents are not a part of the equation and mm-hmm. that's on purpose. It's a plot device. Yeah. Like that's what happens in YA because you can't have the parents there... I think we've talked about this before you can't have the parents there to solve the problems for the kids mm-hmm. or else how are the kids going to be the central part of the story and do whatever they're gonna do like it, it just doesn't make any sense like you Literally. have to change it from and that's not gonna be everybody's situation reading the book but like it's a plot device authors do it on purpose it's intentional
1: and then offensive language i
0: don't see offensive language
1: in the hunger games i think does it say damn
0: in the hunger games
1: but i think that's it i i don't there's no f word no s word no i don't think that there's anything i think if anything there might have been one s word i'm gonna
0: look yeah no hell is in there quite a few times yeah
1: yeah okay a lot of times
0: so that's that's the word
1: i can't remember it to be a lot of times though. So it's kinda weird. And the fact that it's not like intense explicit profanity. Like it's it's the it's hell. You know, that's not blocked on Yeah, like one of these television I television shows. He's
0: been through hell and back. Yes. <laughs> well, like it's not even used to the... It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> he's been through crap and back. <laughs> yeah, like what are you supposed to say? Okay, but I mean I'm I guess it's that's a true statement that there is offensive language there are yes. bad words in the hunger games yes
1: the one that i am most confused about and i want to learn more are is how the hunger games is a satanic book
0: i i think it's just like the principle of <laughs> children killing children and but i don't understand in the context how it's like Yes, it's an awful thing, like comes from an uh, evil place, but mm-hmm. it's a story about being against that. So, yeah, yeah it's just more evil than the uh, occult. I mean, it's not like witchcraft. Is it? I don't know. I think so. Or, <laughs> you know, in that vein. <laughs> like, what? Kind of like, witch. it'd be like dark magic. Is Doctor Gall now? Doctor Gall uses (laughs) science. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, but she's—I believe that she's a witch. So (gasps) get
1: you ready for Halloween.
0: And then the religious viewpoint. I think this is the one I get the least out of all of them because religion religion is never mentioned.
1: I think that's what it is. I think the fact that there is no religion. Yeah, that upsets. Usually, I mean, I'm making, like, an assumption, but usually it is a religious family who would say, like, it's going against a religious viewpoint because there is no (laughs) mention of it. This book
0: lacks any religion or morals, so... Yes. (laughs) Okay. Complaining because it's missing something. It's like, okay, well, go find the book that has whatever you're looking for. Yes,
1: exactly. What? (laughs) It's not like it goes against, like the book never says anything against a particular religion or belief at all. Just by not having it and having, like, an absence of religion, it's a crime and we should ban the book.
0: (laughs) And then the last one, unsuited to age group. I mean, I guess this was just filed if, like, let's say it was in elementary school and they thought it shouldn't, you know, it should only be in middle school above or something like that or middle school and you know should only be in high school or something like that so mm-hmm. just inappropriate to the age yeah which we can talk makes about sense.
1: yeah because i guess that leads us into our question like mm-hmm. what age did you put down as appropriate for people to read the hunger games
0: i mean it's so hard to like give an exact because every kid's different right but i like i would say as a general rule with obviously room for you know, maybe the kid's not really ready, or maybe the kid is ready to read it before that, but I'd say seventh grade is kind of the age of reading The Hunger Games. Yeah,
1: I said, personally, I think someone ages, like, 10 to 12, which would be, like, likely, like, end of fifth to sixth grade, but I don't know how much I understand, because, I mean, this is my own perspective. Mm -hmm. I read the books at that age, and, like, I obviously understood the book and the books, but I mean, going back as an older teenager and adult, young adult, I was able to realize there were a lot of things that I missed when I was younger reading it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like seventh grade. Like, I'm sure, I mean, you did read it and were mostly mature enough to read it, I guess. Um, I mean, you've mm-hmm. said that there's some things that you like didn't quite grasp, but I would say more as like a general rule. Like I would I would give it to a seventh grader with probably no reservations. But if mm-hmm. they were younger than that, I would maybe think about it a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. No, that's fair. And like Scholastic, they even mark it as twelve to sixteen. Which why put the cap at sixteen, excuse me? <laughs> I'm like, um, twenty two. <laughs> I read the book at <laughs> sixteen. Yeah, I heard the book at 16, so I just, just barely made it in to the appropriate mm-hmm. age range.
1: <laughs> you're too old,
0: and I was too young, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so but, interesting we're on the different ends of the spectrum on that. Well, but I just how old it's is 12? 12 is... 6th set- grade. 6th grade? I, like, I was 11 in 6th grade. So you're
1: like, I was 11, end of... Def- well, it depends on when your birthday is. Like, end of... Fifth grade, sixth grade, and then beginning of seventh for me.
0: Yeah, my birthday. But then you're a later birthday, so I'm the same for a school year. I was always the same grade, so I was eleven in sixth grade.
1: Oh, that's because you're you're in June, Mm -hmm. but I'm back in November. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like trying to do math. I'm like we're very different. (laughs) Watch us calculate
0: this in our heads.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it makes sense. But for me, I was always, like, jealous to hear of classes that got to read The Hunger Games. I know, right? I didn't get to read it.
0: Yeah, because I was, like, a junior in high school mm-hmm. when I read it. So we definitely weren't reading The Hunger Games in class.
1: <laughs> well, I could have. And it never
0: happened. You could so. <laughs> well, have. I could have. could have? I could have taught the class. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. So I found um, in an article talking about, like, banned books and the violence in The Hunger Games... There was a study by the University of Michigan that said the average American child witnesses 200,000 violent acts and 16,000 murders via television by the time they turn 18. Wow. I wonder when that, like, starts. I mean, that same article mm-hmm. was saying that, uh, I mean, there's cartoon violence. So a lot of that could be in, like, cartoons where it's just, like, silly deaths. Mm-hmm. When, you know. Silly? <laughs> You know, where it's like, ah, oh, is it, like, not real or, re-? like, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I totally you. It,
0: it. there's a permanency to it and, like, how graphic mm-hmm. is it and everything. But mm-hmm. it just seems like, like, at a certain point, you can't really shield your child from no. these things. So I'm like, isn't it better to have them experience these things in a way that might be constructive to them or or have them think about these things in a new way than just like what they might see on tv which could be just senseless and then i also it also said that children under the age of eight cannot differentiate between fantasy and reality in general which yeah. i thought was really interesting so i'm like okay well definitely eight and below like you wouldn't want to give them the hunger games because no. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to comprehend, you know, what's what's reality and what's and I could totally understand that being way too much for a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting and, that like 9, 10, 11 is like the like gray area.
1: Mhm. That's what I was
0: about to say. Like
1: for me it's just interesting that like they you can I feel like people can always make these generalizations obviously. But like you said, it comes down to each individual. And so then it's hard. Like you said, you would feel comfortable giving this book to a seventh grade class. But if it was a sixth grade class, it's like you have to think about it. And so again, we're just always making general assumptions about what kids should be reading. Maybe somebody is ready to read it in the fourth grade versus maybe someone's not ready to read it until they're a junior in high school. So it really just depends on the person too, which I find so interesting about parents who will report books or challenge a book in a class because that's one kid versus unless a bunch of parents are saying this is not for my child to be reading
0: Mm -hmm. let's jump into some of the actual cases Mm -hmm. so our first one we probably share these links in like the episode description um Mm -hmm. so you guys can look at them too although you probably heard some of them because at least one of these i feel like was pretty well-known case like in the fandom i remember reading about it a while back um okay but this first article schools debate educational value of the hunger games
1: Mm -hmm. so this is from the seattle times and it was really interesting there was one quote that i pulled from it because the gist that i took from the article was it really depends on the context in what you teach this book in Mm -hmm. Which is true because, I mean, if you're just putting this book out there and saying it's so it's so great, like, let's just talk about all the all the deaths and all the violence. Like, let's talk about the tributes. Let's talk about that. You're not talking about the themes and the good versus bad, the, you know, everything underneath it. But there was one quote that I just like picked out and it says Jessica Burns of the Soundview School, a private K through 12 in Linwood. So the method of p- selecting participants in the games is used to illustrate statistics lessons. I never thought of the Hunger Games in a statistics yeah. class. That was something that I was like, <laughs> you always hear it being taught for, you know, like in an English class, in an English setting. So to hear in a math class, that's something where I would have almost questioned it. Like it'd be a cool pop, r- pop culture reference to make as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like K through 8. Like if you, there's so many other ways that you can teach statistics and method and like sampling you know what i mean so that was when i was kind of
0: like it depends like
1: are you teaching i mean like, i think that's cool because it's like
0: you're not actually reading the book right and so you're not getting mm-hmm. into like the nitty-gritty of like maybe the violence and all the things that would be um challenged i guess but if you get the reference it makes math more fun <laughs>
1: yeah it does make math more fun but i'm like k through eight so let's think was she teaching sixth through eighth grade Kindergartners. <laughs> have you guys seen the trailer for the hunger games movie? one tribute
0: plus one tribute equals two tributes <laughs> i love that as a data analyst i'm like yeah <laughs> i wish i used hunger games to learn statistics sounds great <laughs> sign me up i also read in that article it was interesting um there was one father who said that it was a fifth grade class reading the book and he wasn't sure if it was appropriate and that honestly Mm -hmm. like just what we were talking about right now i mean you were talking about one student versus like the entire class but i don't know i feel like if if my student was in a class in fifth grade reading the hunger games i just feel like that's a little bit young And, like, that that does have some legitimacy to it that maybe Mm -hmm. it's not suitable for the age group. And I don't know if I would just want to pull my one child out of the class. I think I'd be like, "Mm, is this right for the entire age group? Because even the scholastic, you know, on the book it says 12 to 16. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's – fifth grade's young.
1: Well, I also thought an interesting part of this article – was classes that were planning to take the kids in the class to see the movie. Mm. Because I feel like it's one thing to watch the movie versus to read the book. Because in the book, you can pick up on so many themes and ideas and thoughts and messages that Suzanne wants you to get. But in the in the movie, it's, it's going to be more glamorized and the killing is going to be more... I mean, Hollywood. And so, I don't... It's gonna... I don't know. There's mm-hmm. just a different Wasn't for a 6th grade to class, learn. too? Yeah. To take them on a field trip to go see The Hunger Games. Yeah, see,
0: and I'm like... I'm worried about the book, 5th grade. So, mm-hmm. upping it to the movie just in 6th grade. I mean, the movie's PG-13. Mm-hmm. How are they even getting kids to... I mean, I guess they were signing True. permission slips. Like, see, that but to still. me, it's like... Why would you do a, a class field trip for a PG thirteen movie for a class full of kids that are under thirteen? That's very true. That's very what? true. <laughs> yeah. But you're totally just... right. Like when you see it visually and then you don't have the the context, I mean, maybe they were reading it as a class and everything, but just that mm-hmm. seems like a little bit much to me. Yeah. We're so strict and... at <laughs> I, am. I know, I'm like I, feel I don't like 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 I'm gonna be a mother. I'm just like I don't <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna agree with me on these things, Holly, because <laughs> I feel like I, I do tend to side with parents uh, as much as possible, like in these mm-hmm. situations. I will if
1: they're not arguing that it makes it's sense. because of the sexual content.
0: Yeah, for stuff that doesn't even <laughs> that exist. Doesn't make sense. Or like <laughs> yeah. not even reading the book. hmm See,
1: at at the same time, like I think with that quote that you just mentioned a few minutes ago about how much violence kids are introduced to by the time that they're 18, I mean, it's almost like this wouldn't be, like, of shock to parents and to children if this was now taught 10 years later. Because I feel like there's so much violence in mainstream media that maybe it wouldn't be as big of, of a concern now, a decade later. Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's so interesting because it's kind of like, the Hunger Games can be an entry point to mm-hmm. violence. Yeah, and it's like at, at what age is that? What is age is that point where you can be exposed to that? But also,
1: it, it's like Suzanne wrote Ballad because she really wanted to put the nail in the coffin about what perspective we're reading this from and what we're really taking from the books because Mm -hmm. people love the Hunger Games, people love Catching Fire because of the games. You read the books for the games. You see the movies for the games. And that's why people didn't love Mockingjay, the movies or the book. And so I think it's hard because at a young age, you don't know the difference of either like glamorizing and respecting um, this idea or understanding the actual morals behind it. So I think that's a good question about, like, when is the right time which, for somebody? The
0: Hunger Games can be that like tool, to help you understand. Okay, let's talk about the second article that we have, the second case. Which this is, this was really like the big one, one right? Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I remember when this I think like was first happening, or it had just come out. Like I read the Hunger Games in 2010, and I think this was around. 2010 yeah that this happened so it was in new hampshire and it was apparent that she had a daughter in class i can't remember how how old was she it was in middle school i know that was at seventh grade her 11 year old oh 11 year old okay so like sixth grade middle school Mm -hmm. which i was 11 in sixth grade yeah um, and her 11 year old had nightmares apparently from reading the hunger games, which it was a, a book that they were reading as a class, which it sounds like a personal problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we we just talked about so too mean. that like 11, 11, is definitely like on the cusp mm-hmm. of like being able to handle the hunger games or not, I think. Um, but I did like highlight this one quote, which I thought was really good. This challenge, which comes on the heel of the American Library Association's Banned Book Week, is a cautionary tale other parents should note. When a parent objects to a book being taught, a lot of school districts say a parent can take a child out, and a lot of parents have an objection to that because they say their child is being singled out. But you've already singled your child out by taking them out, and no parent has a right to select the curriculum, which I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I feel that, I mean being singled out like they don't want their child to be singled out about like being different and not being allowed to be included and whatever it is but it's like as the parent you're the one singling them out by taking them out of whatever it is and Mm -hmm. I mean and I just kind of feel that because like I definitely had that happen to me in elementary school with the Harry Potter books. My parents didn't no. want us reading them. Yeah. Um, and I remember being, like, m- even much younger, like, second grade and being, like, singled out and, like, having to go to the library and sit alone by myself while Aww. the class, you know, read aloud Harry Potter. I think one of, one of the parents had come in or something to, like, do a reading for, like, the day or something. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I eventually read Harry Potter. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and yeah. I definitely, like, side with my parents on that decision. Because, you know, it's it's the parents' responsibility to decide how their child is raised. And, like, what media they're exposed to or not exposed to as a child. So, mm-hmm. I'm totally cool with that. And that's what happened. So, I it's like, in this case... Y- you were saying earlier, one student versus the whole class. One parent doesn't get to decide that for other parents. Mm-hmm. They don't get to decide what other kids are are exposed to or not, just for their child themselves. So if the student was having nightmares, then you know they're removed from that situation, and that really should be the end of it.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and there shouldn't be any negative connotation around that decision or that child or that parent. Because I, I think it's interesting that you have that perspective because my parents were like the opposite. So they kind of just trusted the school and saying like, now's the time to read this, now now's the time to read this. And so, I mean, I would see kids whose parents didn't agree with the different ratings, have them go out and go to the library or go mm-hmm. um, silently read. And I, I mean, it, like you say, I totally respect that it's up to the parents and it's up to the individual family. And it shouldn't be that big of a deal. If you don't want your kids to read it, then just tell the teacher. No big deal. Because I didn't look at the kids any differently. I don't know. I don't think you looked at anyone any differently. Like you said, you got to read the books at one point.
0: So People might all... have looked at me differently. I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I was just like, There's okay, that sad lie. girl not getting to experience Harry Potter. <laughs> but then you did. And
1: now, but now then you're I did. a Harry Potter fan. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think as long as it comes down to there being a justification and a good justification as to why this book is being used in a classroom, then by all means, like, teach it. Because if not... If you're just saying, Oh, this is a really badass book and there's a bunch of kids that get into this arena and they like kill each other. It's so mm-hmm. it's so graphic. And, it's and so what horrible. gets me
0: is like that's basically this case, right? Of yeah. this lady with her daughter. I mean, okay, mm-hmm. like the daughter had a bad experience, like that's totally valid, had nightmares, don't read the Hunger Games anymore. But mm-hmm. she was basically saying that the main character well first of all this is false information the main character is the only one of 24 children that survives in the book clearly didn't no read the book. <laughs> she's like she read the synopsis online she's like what is this
1: and that's what i imagine these, the children ch- these are being killed
0: doing. for entertainment pitted one against one another in a game and was questioning what this book teaches as far as like honor ethics and morals She said that there's no lesson in this book, except if you're a teenager and kill 23 other teenagers, you win the game and your family wins. I know. I was like, okay. (laughs) There's
1: definitely angry parents out there like that. Um. And she said she hasn't read, she, she said
0: at the time that she had read the book.
1: See, if I, if I were a parent and like someday down the line, maybe I'll be a parent. When I read, when my children will be reading a book, I just fully expect to like, understand. I mean, maybe that's just because I like to read, but when my kids will be reading a book in the future, chances are I will be reading it with them. Like, I want to know what they're reading.
0: No, I think that's completely valid. I feel like, and that's kind of a question that I had written for us to discuss, like, whose responsibility is it that a child is engaging with age-appropriate content? And it's the parent's responsibility in, in my view. And I mean, I do feel like librarians and teachers have some responsibility to kind of know the teacher probably to know the student and the librarian Mm -hmm. to know a fair amount of the books and the content in them and both can make recommendations based on what they know of the student and the books but ultimately it's the parents responsibility to i think know what their child is reading
1: yeah Snaps for that. Amen.
0: (laughs) I'm just like, it seems so hard to be a parent and like make these decisions and figure this stuff out. And I feel like there should be more room for, like, parents should be, if not reading entire books, because like I understand that's hard, but looking looking at reviews, reading excerpts, finding out what these books are really about. And instead of just saying, oh, you can't read this or. Yeah, this is fine to read. Like really engaging with their child, <laughs> yes. and and knowing what what their child is reading.
1: Read the Spark Notes on these books.
0: There's <laughs> the Spark Notes for the Hunger
1: Games. You can read the themes, the content. I
0: really like, hope if my kids, on? if I ever have kids, I hope they're readers because I will be so oh, sad. Too. I'm <laughs> if like they're you not. better be collecting I'm like, all my books. This is the books. main way that I would engage. Like. Yes. with my children and connect with them so you just gotta like you got to start reading yeah. to them early
1: i'm gonna be the crazy mom that like i've already talked about this my kids will not own ipads they will own kindles like you are only gonna know how to read that Sometimes is not I allowed forget
0: to- that like kids have access to that stuff now like that they have oh, ipads and they have you know, all mm-hmm. this technology like, that i did not no. have as a child and i'm like parenting seems so hard in this day and age i know
1: I'm like, go outside and play, like I did. <laughs> I used to play, like, Scooby-Doo outside. I used to play H2O mermaids outside, like...
0: Me going outside and be playing that. fake Hunger, hunger Games. games. <laughs> yes.
1: Same. <laughs> Me eating grass. <laughs> um, but should should we just jump to the question about... Should ba- books ever be banned?
0: Yeah. What do you think, Holly? Should books ever I- be banned?
1: I said, no, 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 no. They should include warnings and descriptions and perhaps age guidances, but you should never ban a book.
0: Okay, can we talk about that? Because in college, I wrote a whole research paper on why books should have ratings when they don't. Because as someone who is a reader, like, there was even, I mean, I self-moderated, like, what i wanted to read Mm -hmm. because i was like okay well i don't really want to read like this level of gore or like you know anything graphic Mm -hmm. personally but i found it so hard especially i guess when i was younger there was no like it wasn't as much internet (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it was very hard to figure out what was in a book before i actually read it and i was like i really wish there was some sort of rating system or at the very least actually more what I would have liked rather than a rating system because I feel like that could get weird would be some sort of description of like what's in the book.
1: Can I just talk about how I feel like that's been solved with TikTok because
0: I think talk (laughs) I would argue
1: that book talk has has added a lot of that on I mean for me like I get, I know I don't read all the books on Book Talk that people talk about, but I'll find book recommendations based on how they're like, read the warnings, re- read this, they'll give a brief description, they'll rate it like on spiciness or on like violence. And so for me, I think that that's been really helpful for me is as going from young adult reader to adult reader, like gauging what kinds of books I want to read, and having people who are actively reading different types of books similar books to me giving me that description so that's what I love about book talk I love book talk
0: interesting yeah I didn't really think about it but but also like for a parent to be able to like for me I'm like I want to know like for myself how spicy is this romance gonna be you know how many red peppers are we giving it
1: yeah (laughs) so for me that's just been a fun thing like being a part of like a reading and like a book community seeing Mm -hmm. that because I mean at the library they'll have like or bookstores they'll have like recommendations and like the the whole section with like what the um, booksellers or librarians are recommending in a brief description and who's it for but that's only on a select amount of books I mean I've been introduced to so many books Mm -hmm. outside the mainstream book talk books from book talk so. But
0: that's the thing, then, like, are is that information going to be available for books that are not as popular? So I still yeah. think it would be nice for books to have some sort of, you know, I mean, you know how when there's, like, the rating on a movie and then it describes why? I just want the describes mm. why part on the book. But then... But then it becomes bad because... I know, I know, because then everyone's going to want to, like, studies. assign some sort of rating to that. I don't know if you can get away with that happening without having a rating system. And I don't want a rating system on books because mm-hmm. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems.
1: It, it goes back to, like, 1940s Hollywood. Like, putting all these different movies, like, pretty much blackmailing and... Or blackballing all these movies, all these actors based on, like, what one group of a specific religious group, specific, like, class, race group would put a rating on a certain movie. Yeah. So It would just
0: end up resulting in restricted books. And I do not yes. want that.
1: But, yeah. So, what do you say about, you just, you say that books should not be banned, but they should include descriptions? I don't, or? I was kind
0: of thinking, yeah, th- that would be, like, my dream. <laughs> which I feel like is mm-hmm. not ever going to be reality, I would like to know the contents of books before yeah. before I read them and just have that in a really easily accessible format. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about, like, the age thing with Hunger Games, and, and I I guess it's, it's not so much being banned as, like, the elementary school example. A, a librarian would be responsible for what books are purchased for the library, right? Mm-hmm. So it's – I, I kind of feel like – Maybe at the elementary school level, the Hunger Games should not be in the elementary school library. Mm
1: -hmm. And and then again, kids can go to their
0: public library. Yeah, I mean, they can get it, you know, through other means. Because, I mean, especially because then much younger kids would be there to access it. Like, you know, a second grader could check out Mm -hmm. the Hunger Games, theoretically. And I really don't think that's ever a good idea. (laughs) I mean, if the parent lets them, whatever. But (laughs) yeah. Yeah, so banned, not really, but I definitely think there are situations where, like, certain books should not be in certain schools. I guess, like, one quote that I found that I kind of wanted to read as sort of a closing statement, uh, this was an article from the Literature for Adolescents journal, and the article was called Gore and Young Adult Fiction. (laughs) It was a very interesting article about how, like, gore serves a purpose in young adult literature, and there are several books that I absolutely love that have quite a bit of gore in them, Um, but, so it definitely has its place, but there was just this quote by the author Robin Kirk that said, kind of in conclusion, a lot of young people read because they're looking for books with stories and characters they feel a connection to. And the sad truth is that many of us have had some really bad things happen in our lives sometimes the trauma of those negative experiences diminishes over time but you still never get over it for a lot of us there is really no happily ever after that's just how life is when the only thing readers get are books with happy endings in which all problems are perfectly solved with plenty of rising above and triumph for the protagonist it has a consequence of making some kids feel That there must be something wrong with them, that they're to blame for not having everything work out beautifully in their lives. There's something profound and also contradictory about young adults. Adults tend to romanticize those years and forget about how deeply challenging they are for anyone actually living them. At the same time, children experience the metaphorical and too often actual horrors of growing up without any perspective, thus making events like bullying or crimes otherworldly, out of control, and literally life-threatening. Wow. And I just feel like that was a really good quote about, yeah, that's like, an amazing why quote. we need bullying, crime, violence, these uh, awful things in young adult books. And I feel like that quote especially even speaks to, like, Mockingjay and how the mm-hmm. book ends and Katniss is not In this happily ever after state Mm -hmm. like maybe some people might have liked it's just very it's just very real and i think having something like the hunger games with these life or death stakes you know when you're young a lot of things feel life or death even if they're Mm -hmm. not and so i think that helps kids connect and relate to these characters and As long as, you know, a a child is old enough to think through these things more critically and maybe even, like, discuss with a parent Mm -hmm. or an adult or discuss in the classroom about the themes in the book, and that it's not all just gratuitous violence, that it means something, that I, I feel like it's important. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's an amazing point about
1: young adults. And, but about um, young adults creating all these events in their lives as being the end of the world or a life and death situation. So I think that's so accurate.
0: And the point about adults romanticizing their younger mm-hmm. years, too. Like, I-, I feel like adults tend to forget what kids can handle and what it is like to be a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad that we did this episode because... Yeah, this
0: is good, I I feel thought. like we
1: got... Yeah, we we got to talk about kind of the darker side of The Hunger Games and the effect that it's had on um, readers, young readers, families, parents, teachers, and I'm interested to know anyone mm-hmm. watching or listening if you read The Hunger Games in a classroom setting. Like, I'm really interested if you did that. I feel like we what should do a poll read the books?
0: Yeah. on Instagram or something about if you read the books in the classroom or not and like kind of what age you read them at like 10 Mm -hmm. 11 12 or older (laughs) 16 (laughs) but yeah
1: (laughs) because and I also want to hear what people have to say I mean Mm -hmm. if you're a parent I'd love to hear your thoughts because obviously Emily and I aren't parents and we don't have that perspective but again I think that this has a lot of valuable learning lessons for all of us. And I feel like I had and... some
0: strong opinions in this episode. Oh, yeah. So if you disagree with me, like, Emily, you're crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then attack Emily. Not kidding. I will protect Emily with my life. Um, but, yeah. Until next time, I mean, check us out on Walking J Monday tomorrow for Chapter 7 and 8 of The Hunger Games. And come visit us two weeks from now for an amazing, awesome so cool episode get excited for
0: maya (laughs)
1: yay and we'll see you soon see ya